Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 411. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Ben Apatoff. How are you, sir? Doing well. Great to be here. Thanks, Brando. I'm excited that we can call this that Metallica episode or just we're going to we're doing reviews. We're talking about your book, your upcoming book, Guns N' Roses Metallica. Uh, it's just a, I've often said as obviously a diehard GNR fan and I've been able to go to shows to uh, since 2002. So the Buckethead era and I've yeah. seen whatever I can uh, I can since then. And I'm not going to do another episode before. They come to New Jersey, MetLife Stadium, where Metallica just was. Uh, so I'm going to leave off on a little uh, cliffhanger. I'm going to do a review of that, of course. That's coming up. But I never got to see the User Illusion GNR Metallica, you know, double bill, uh, infamous tour. Um, so I'm just like, I, I didn't even ask you off the the air, but I'm just curious right away. Did, did you go to those sh- any of those shows? I did not. That is my dream show i mean right? those are my two top bands i love guns and roses i love metallica just like just passionately about both um i'm writing a book about another band on that bill obviously so that's like my dream was to go to uh to that tour uh i wrote a little bit about it in my book you know i love their kind of sense of competition and the way that they've um changed with each other um and uh you know probably the thing that gets discussed most when it comes to the sort of Metallica Guns N' Roses thing is the video with James and the Rider, right? Where he makes fun of Axel Rider in, yeah. um, in A Year and a Half of the Life of Metallica. But one thing I address in the book that I don't see a lot of people talk about is that on that tour, Lars gets very attached to Axel. And, you know, in the book, I read a little bit about James and I've got this gets in the chapter about James and Lars's friendship and how, you know, James is kind of feeling the heat, and he says, you know, Axel has this thing that, you know, Lars is just, like, attracted to, and, like, I think he's, like, defensive and, like, a little hurt at how, you know, Lars is, like, hanging out with Axel and gets the jacket like Axel and, like, wants to know what kind of a plan he has, and, uh, yeah, there's this kind of um, insecurity between the two biggest bands in the world uh, over that that um, I thought was kind of fascinating, but... Yeah, I, anyway, short of it, I wish I could have gone to that show. I just have watched tape after tape after tape. I have, you know, stories after stories, the the fade to black, uh, burn, just like so much, you know, history behind that tour. It, it, it is a dream show. We all played that kind of fantasy game of like dream shows. I was nine when that came mm-hmm. out. I was seeing, uh, my first concert was Ninja Turtles. Oh, coming, I remember that tour. They're coming yeah. out, of my, out of your Shells tour in Radio City. So, yeah. I mean, it just, Metallica and GNR weren't in my purview yet, but it was kind of, right. it was something else. And that's why, and by the way, we should mention the name of your book that we're talking about, the, uh, oh, the yeah. uh, Metallica, the uh, the twenty the 2495 book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, and how, when did that come out? It came out in 2021. It's a, a play on the 59080 EP and the 1999 home video when Metallica would put the price on their merch to keep um, retailers from overcharging. So I did that with the book. 
Uh, it's a book about um, Metallica's importance. It's the cliche that's totally true is that um, I wrote the book that I wanted but never read. You know, there were biographies and fact books and things like that, but I want a book about why Metallica matters and why they're mm-hmm. important, why they, how they change the world and how they change people's lives and how complicated they are and how, you know, I've got chapters about each member and how complex they are and, you know, what's the philosophy of Metallica, the religion of Metallica, the politics of Metallica, and uh, the live show of Metallica, the fandom of Metallica, you know, the fashion of Metallica. So um, Mm -hmm. I really want to make, like, a book that both, you know, newcomers, diehards could like about, like, why Metallica, why this great band is so important, why they, uh, why they, uh, you know, keep getting you know, more and more puzzling and complex. I mean, it's short of it. I think that Metallica is like a permanent puzzle, right? And that's why we keep going back to them. You know, they are endlessly confusing. And the more you learn about them, the, you know, harder to pin down they get. And, you know, the same way that, like, in school we read, you know, the books that keep, you know, raising questions like the Moby Dick or Metamorphosis or, you know, stuff like that. We keep returning to bands like Metallica that constantly are still raising new questions years into their uh, into their story. Well, you're talking to, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, uh, a host of a GNR podcast, The Amount of Questions, and we're going to talk, at, you know, towards the end of the conversation about perhaps a new song on the way. Yes. Uh, yeah. we, we will we will play on words there if I didn't make it obvious uh, no. enough. <laughs> but what went through my mind and why I'm excited to talk to you today, because for one, I, I want to talk about my first time seeing Metallica in 20 years. Oh, yeah. Only my second time seeing the band, and, and wow. believe me, it's not going to be the last time, and I'm not going to wait 20 years. I don't know if Metallica is a tour for another 20 years, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But as, you know, because uh, uh, we spoke off the air about this. This I, I do remember talking to you about, that you're from Brooklyn, or you live in Brooklyn uh, currently. So the commute for you to New Jersey, like, did you take public transport? Because um, I did. Okay. And uh, here I should reveal that I, I teach in New Jersey, so it's uh, no big deal for me. Oh, I, I bring a book on the train, so I I know the New Jersey transit pretty well. Um, oh, you so yeah, it, okay. it's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, but so no. that was nothing. Okay, so see, mm-hmm. I, that was the big thing for me. Then I, I'll ask because I, my wife and I, we we thought we left in time. We had to get a babysitter. Mm-hmm. Our our first time out without baby brownstone. Who, Ben, you can attest to, I, I tried to have him be my co-host today, and it just wasn't happening. He was getting too twitchy, crying. I, I know when not to hold the baby during a podcast. I know when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. So it's like, excuse job. me, He's here, not- take him, take him. I, I, yeah. Whatever. Another episode he'll, he'll be on. Perhaps say his first word. Uh, fuel or, you know, Lars. I guess I see random. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I see like random rock phrases into his face. You know, slash absurd, oh, yeah. absurd. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but yeah. uh, so we thought two hours would be enough. We missed Mammoth, but I've seen Mammoth uh, Wolfgang Van Halen with Guns N' Roses yes. uh, uh-huh. twice, or at least one and a half times. You know, good being late for another one, and they, I I love them. I think they're they're he's great, great voice. Uh, yeah. Did you go go early enough? Did you experience? Because I, did. I didn't know um, this. I didn't know about the parking lot shows with Overkill. Like I feel like yeah. I, I missed out on I a lot. Missed that Prong and Overkill. I I missed that unfortunately. I like both those bands. Um, I got there in time for Wolf. I um that was actually the first show I saw, uh, after the pandemic. Because the first thing I went to was. Guns N' Roses post-pandemic. So the first artist I saw was Wolf. And, you know, mm. I uh, 
you know, I've, I saw him in Van Halen. I've kind of grown to love him. The song about his father, The Distance Makes Me Cry. You know, I, um, I, uh, he, I think that he's developed as a very uh, sort of engaging performer. You know, he's used to like a crowd and a stadium. You know, he's not like the natural rock star that Eddie Van Halen was, who was a great player, but also had this kind of like smile and dance moves. But I think that he's a, uh, he has like enough kind of like showmanship and swagger to kind of carry the songs in a way that really impresses me when I see Wolfgang. I I expect uh, even bigger bigger things from him. And yeah. l- let me just say this because I can kind of hear the trolls in the back of my head. I spend way too much time online. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to get it on a soapbox. I mean, I know I'm short. But the amount of fat shaming that goes out on Wolfgang Van Halen that I read on just, you know, wherever it is. You, know, oh, you name God. the outlet, it's just you're going to find some stupid dude bro who's, like, using it under the umbrella of, oh, I'm just concerned about his health. Just go fuck yourselves. Shut go up. fuck yourself. Seriously, like, dude, he, like... Like, you I don't even know. Imagine, like, yeah. Go, going through the thing he went through with his dad, and, like, you know, he's so... He just seems like a... To go through, like, that upbringing with a famous dad and then lose them and have, like, trolls and have all the people saying crap about you. And it seemed like such a... Every interview seemed like the sweetest, coolest dude. Yeah. And just like, dude, go Wolfgang. Like, I will, I you know, t- take my money. I'm, I, uh, I, all, all respect for him. And uh, and uh, he deserves uh, he deserves all the success he's getting. I, I, I agree. No, I absolutely do. But I wanted to say that because it's something that bothers me with Axel... Um, yeah. it, it it's even started to bother me with Lars. Somebody posted, oh yeah, <laughs> you know there. Look, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Like there's a part of me like I love South Park. I love Family Guy. I like you know a certain type of humor that's inappropriate. Those those celebrity right. roasts, whatever. But there's a time and place. Mm-hmm. And somebody posted uh, on one of my po- like uh, things about going to Metallica that it was a shirt that had Cliff and Lars. Oh yeah, and it said it should have been Lars. Yeah. That's not funny to me. That's not... It's not funny. <laughs> that's messed I, up. <laughs> I, I love offensive humor, too. That's not... It, to me, that joke I wrote about this in the book, too, is especially cruel to Cliff Burton's family. Yeah. And so supportive. Like, it's not like a Lars joke. That's like making fun of, like, like his poor his father and mother who are so supportive of Metallica and, like, basically helped raise, like, fatherless James and, you know, people... And they're just like... Like, the Burton family has been so... Can you imagine like being in the Burton family and seeing that shirt? It's such a cruel thing. Um, another thing I say in the book too about Lars, I mean, Lars obviously gets like a ton of crap. And um, I say that people who complain about Lars's drumming are usually the same people who will tell you that David Lee Roth can't sing or Kurt Cobain can't play guitar, mm-hmm. right? It's like, there are some people who are technically very gifted and don't have the chemistry. Lars, you know, is not, he's not Dave Lombardo. He's not, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Joey Jordison, but he, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of chemistry and he's got a great sense of songmanship in his drumming that I, I do appreciate. I, I couldn't agree more. David Lee Roth again is another one that I defend. Like he was never meant to be Sammy Hagar. He's not Pavarotti. He's a showman. That's, that's Van Halen. That's so, uh, okay. So we're, we're on the same page here. So let me just, so when I finally get there, I know I miss Wolf. I know I was going to miss him. We, I was, I only went to one night. The Friday night, mm-hmm. August fourth, and because you know, just because we can find a babysitter for one night, money, right. working, whatever. But I had to make sure I <laughs> went to go see Pantera. Yes. And also, I, I want to say, you know, it's not a soapbox thing or not. 
Don't right. be like, oh, it's not Pantera. Right. We all know. The, mm-hmm. uh, it's the horrific, horrific things that poor you know family the Abbott family you know mm-hmm. going through what Dime went through and, and Vinny being taken uh-huh. young we all are aware right. but Charlie Benanti and Zach Wilde are their friends they have the support yeah. of their family of the, of the Abbott family and it's like for someone like me who never got to see Pantera and mm-hmm. thankfully, I caught the last half of their set, so I got to oh, yeah. hear Cowboys from Hell and Walk and I'm Broken, and, and it's just the, the, be able to sing those songs live and and yeah. feel the songs live. That was that was amazing, amazing for the fans. Oh, absolutely! And you know, um, I have not gone public with this because I'm not like a troll, but like I definitely like seeing that lineup, seeing those thoughts. My first thoughts were like. This isn't Pantera. This isn't Dimebag. This isn't Vinny. Like you know, I understand. I don't know, like morally, if that's good. But I was like, you know what? I know that as soon as that show starts, I'm gonna know every word. I'm gonna sing along. It's gonna be great. And yeah, it was great. And I, you know, I know it's it's not you know Pantera per se, but like you said, you can't pick a better substitute than Zach Wild and Charlie Benanti. Um, Phil is, you know, for all the crap we give Phil, a lot of it he deserves, he is one of the best frontmen of all time. And you can see that when he's there. He's just, he came, like, right away started. He's just, like, so good with the crowd piece. Like, he's very, like, you know, he had this, you know, gruff, like, uh, but entertaining persona. Like, you, I, I guess I hadn't, I've been on a Pantera kick again recently, but I just, I hadn't thought again. And like, oh, yeah, that's why they were so huge in the 90s. Like, he's a great frontman. And they were a, they were awesome. They sounded great, and I never got to see them either. I remember, like you know, when they tour again, I'll go see them, and then we all know what happened. But, um, but yeah, I had a great time seeing Pantera. I I figured like as soon as it starts, all my problems will go away. But yeah, they were great. Yeah, and Phil did did sound great. You know, with great. everything that he's been through, and obviously he said and done some stupid shit. Yep. But I'd like to think that. Metallica, you know, the family, the Pantera family wouldn't embrace him now if he was like that person, you know, like yeah. somebody who really is. And you know what I mean? I know this is a larger discussion, but if you're that like hateful of a person and you give BS apologies, I, I don't think this is going to come together the way it has. Right. It's so, but we don't know these people. So I'm just kind of speculating. Yeah. Of you know, we don't know those people were speculating. You know, I just there there's so many questions I have about what Diamond Vinny would be saying or doing today. Yeah. But you think about the bad you know, the bad blood between Guns N' Roses and just like they got over it and put that shit but and I just like I can I'm not gonna assume, I'm not gonna say this definitely would have happened, but I could see them putting that behind them and putting it back for the love of you know, the music, which is great. And they're just like, Oh yeah, fucking hostile and oh yeah, just like Cowboys from Hell and they were just they were awesome. And you're absolutely right. And GNR is a good example. I know no one uh, has died, so that's the difference with GNR. Yeah. But I mean, Axel called Slash a cancer. At I remember one point. that. And look at them now. They're like, you know, yeah. two B- Biffles, you know, BFFs yeah. up on stage. And, you know, but I, I know for every one of those, there's like Skid Row. And, but I mean, Axel, yeah. I mean, you just never know what time is going to do. And mm-hmm. if this is the situation that came about, I think it just gives a lot of people a chance to heal and uh, have like a release with this aggressive music. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and you know, on that note, like I'd go see them anytime because they're like my guys because I love Guns N' Roses. But especially with this tour now, and people are like, you know, okay, like the set list should change up more and stuff like that. It's like, sure, I am not going to complain because I never thought this would happen. 
Like Meg. being like a Guns N' Roses, like I will happily go see Duff and Slash and Axel and the band on stage together whenever they're in town. Because throughout, you know, high school and college and the years after that, I never thought, I was certain they'd never get back together. And in 10 years, they might not be together. They may not sound so good. Whatever chance, I do not want to miss a chance to see Guns N' Roses again. So I'm going to keep going. That's how I've been since 2002 when yeah. Axel came back at the MTV Movie Awards with the uh, the long braids and they yep. announced that show. And thankfully, I got to see them because they canceled oh, yeah. the tour the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you never know when's the last time. Yeah. Uh, you just know. You just don't know for a variety of reasons. It, gets, it seems like Guns N' Roses are not going to break up the way they did before, but you just don't know with oh, yeah. with age and, and what they're. You just don't know what the plans are are going to be. But oh, yeah. it, it it was kind of funny, you know, as we kicked off the conversation with that the infamous Metallica GNR tour. That the closest I would ever be to that. I don't know if you thought the same thing. When you're walking into MetLife Stadium and they have those big, you know, uh, big screens of what's to come, events to come, and they had Guns N' Roses, uh, yeah. looking at like I should remember, I had this date memorized by now, but August fifteenth, and you know, of course, the big tour logo and everything, and it's just so funny, big Guns N' Roses advertisement outside of Metallica show, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but this just to think. 30 years ago, these mega bands toured together, but uh, let's talk yeah. about the the show itself because mm-hmm. I guess, as I said, this was my first time seeing them in 20 years, so only my, and only my second time. How many right. times have you, uh, Mr. Metallica book, how many times have you seen them live? I have seen them between 10 and 20 times. Cool. I cool. have not, you know, for a long time, I, uh, I was actually kind of late to see them live because I'd be in college and they would come to Virginia or I'd be in Virginia and they'd come to New York and okay. it took me a while to like see them and they had some trouble and a break between albums. So, um, I was kind of late to see, I didn't see them officially until the death magnetic, tour. but, um, oh, wow. I, uh, I see them every chance I get. Uh, I definitely was excited for both nights of this. Um, I went both nights, you know, my concern going into this is that, like, I know I'm going to love two nights of completely different set lists, mm-hmm. but I was also kind of thinking, like, you know, what about that guy or that girl who is only get one chance to see Metallica and is like, oh, I didn't get Enter Sandman or something like that, like, you know, because I, I love Enter Sandman. I also don't need to hear it every time because I can because I want to hear the deep cuts because I'm a fanatic. But uh, I thought they did an excellent job of doing something. I guess they do an excellent job of. Um, of uh, doing something that both the diehards and the casual fans would like, which they tend to do live anyway. But I was thinking, like, divide among two days, like they're not going to play like that many like the biggest hits every night. But they were, um, yeah, they debuted new songs. They uh, on both nights they uh, played a bunch of the hits. They played a bunch of deep cuts, and they're just so engaging as. Um, as arena performers, you know, you saw like some of the other bands were like very good with that 360 stage and Metallica like prowls on it like it's home to them. You know, when Metallica is a 360 stage, they're like, you know, it feels like very natural to them the way they do. They've got this like chemistry with that. And they, um, they're very engaging to the crowd. You know, I, I, this has been talked about before, but you don't really think of them as like, as very sort of rock star persona. You know, like I remember I, I took my partner to see Guns N' Roses and she was like, I've never seen anyone else who are like so naturally like rock stars like that. Those are people who are like born to be rock stars. And 
I don't think, and this is not a knock on either of those bands, I don't think the Metallica has that same vibe. They've got more of a sort of like dude vibe, right? And okay. but they um but they have sort of like a really incredible you know, in the in the book I say Metallica is probably the biggest band of our generation that does not have any member who you could turn to a Halloween costume. Right. Right. You know, they don't have you know, they, they don't have like a distinct like fashion or look or anything like that. They're very kind of like every man in their persona, if not in their their wallets, but they um they somehow have like this thing that connects with them, even though they're not like um they're not very like rock star type rock stars in their in their look and the way they carry themselves. Yeah, that's a good point because I've used that as an example as you know why I do a, a GNR podcast other than they're my, they're my favorite band, but because you mm-hmm. can go to anybody, you know whether it's an old metalhead or it's a you know a cheerleader that's you know middle high school cheer- oh, yeah. they know Axel and Slash they are Halloween costumes and you mm-hmm. can do the same thing with Kiss and you're yep. right Metallica that name is as iconic as any of them but right. you're not dressing up you know you're not seeing little kids in uh, James's Fu Man you know mustache you know it, that would be kind of cool if they did that yeah. or you know a receding hairline for Lars right. or anything like that they're not doing that and I who am I to make fun of that I've lost mine a long time ago no, uh, no worries. so uh, so it, it is interesting and in what I I guess forgot and what I was reminded of quickly of just how heavy I guess the sound is no matter where you are because it was Giant Stadium that I saw them in 2003 uh, when it was no, known as Giant Stadium not MetLife mm-hmm. Stadium currently by the way I think I totally forgot because it was a summer sanitarium tour that I saw oh. Olymp- I totally forgot I saw Limp Biscuit. completely blocked it right. out of my mind that they were oh, yeah. that, that bill <laughs> that was you're right Deftones in Lincoln Park is that right that was yeah big, Lincoln Park Mudvayne, Deftones, and wow, yeah, man, it was a great show. But it was, it was around Saint Anger, too. Mm -hmm. So I got to experience Saint Anger and Frantic live. Right. Yeah. yeah. So going to this, it's like, okay. So what went through your mind? Because this was, and we'll talk about the the stage as well. A very Mm -hmm. unique experience. Because for Guns N' Roses, we talk about the set list, we talk about new music, will they or won't they, or maybe even guest appearances, it happens. Mm -hmm. But they're not doing a two-night event, and they're not doing this special stage that I wanted to talk about a little bit more intimately as well. What was your, because I I told you at the beginning, I got to go to, I can only afford one, ideally. I mean, I can, right. I can technically afford two if I want to, but my kid's probably going to go to college, I think. Uh, I wanted to go at least for the Pantera night. Yes. And I knew going in, I'm like, all right, I'm, there are songs I'm going to miss and I'm not going to hear. And I left being happy like with everything that they played from that night one from the beginning where um, Creeping Death when it goes out of Ecstasy of Gold they had very dramatic intro that I st- that's so cool to this day Ecstasy yeah. of Gold and then at the end with Master of Puppets I, I, I told my wife because she knows Metallica but she doesn't she might be the, the casual fan like I talk about the casual GNR fan that will freak out about Sweet Child of Mine but, oh, yeah. but doesn't give a shit about anything new so right. there's a difference of like the kind of fan within the fandom, as I 
as you know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we were playing <laughs> in the, like the two hours there. I played like an hour and a half of Metallica and like a half an hour of Pantera for. <laughs> and uh, so I just said I just want to hear Battery which I heard you know yeah, Fade to Black great. was great they hear James great, yeah. say That's you know great. he still yeah. loves this song Fade to Black yeah and what really kicked it up for me that I didn't even think about and I'm wondering if you heard it on because you said your first concert uh, with Metallica was Death Magnetic which is an underrated album yeah underrated album. The Day That Never Comes that is wow. The day that never comes okay. is such a. That honestly is one of the not popular, like, uh, or I should say, old school classic Metallica songs that I listen to the most. Yeah, is the yeah, day that never one. comes. So I left being happy. However, my, yeah, my wife got you know she knew Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. She got nothing else matters. Even though Kurt uh, Kirk had to restart that. Oh yeah. <laughs> which, by the way. Totally cool, right? Like you messed totally it up. Cool. Um, I, I love that they're one of the biggest bands that can still bring spontaneity to an arena show. Mm-hmm. You know, they do little, you know, jams. They get things mixed up. I love that they still change it up that much because a lot of people at the stage just like you know, night for night, strictly the same show. But they uh, they can change it up and you know, screw things up and. It doesn't always work, but it's always different. It's always singular, you know. I, I, I so I did like that. Oh, and and, and also, what about uh, so Rob and oh, Kurt? Yeah. They do like a different jam every night. That was kind of yeah. weird. I'm not that gonna was lie. weird. And you know, because on the tour before this, what they would do was they would do a different jam and they would play something from. Uh, a, an artist from wherever the uh, town they were and was. Like, um, I saw them in Philadelphia and they did, you know, that money, 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 money. They did that song. They, did, they, they do like a, uh, so they just jammed on like, you know, whoever, someone from New Jersey, someone from, you know, Pittsburgh. They kind of uh, do that. So I figured they're going to do this too. And at the end, they're like, yeah, that one was called Rose Avenue. I was like, Rose Avenue, is that the New Jersey song? I looked it up, it was like, just something they've jammed on. So it's a totally different thing. Um, I did, I saw an interview with Rob where he said that the plan was to sort of jam on, classic Metallica deep cuts, but then people thought like, oh, James is going to come out and they're going to actually play the song and, you know, like, okay, so that's not going to happen, but they, um, but yeah, I guess that's like a different variation on the sort of a jam thing they were doing on, uh, on previous tours. Okay. Yeah. He's like, this is just for you. And it was, even though it was (laughs) awkward, I I, I love watching Rob, you know. uh, Oh, I love Rob. Yeah. He has Um, that great stage presence too that I thought was perfect for that in the round kind of thing. Yeah. Where were your seats, by the way? I was on the floor both nights. Oh, look at um, you. In the circle I, uh, or outside? Uh, outside, yeah. I had some friends who were inside. I was just like, wow, that looks incredible. Um, I actually, I met Rob on Saturday. He was a very nice guy. So, um, uh, yeah, but I love, uh, yeah, I love um, the way they all kind of like bounce off each other. You know, there's in, uh, like in Some Kind of Monster when Bob Rock is playing bass for them and on St. Anger, he's clearly an incredibly gifted musician producer and stuff like that and it's also just like not quite right you know they need like jason has bass chemistry with them uh cliff has bass chemistry with them robert has bass chemistry you know kind of like with the uh the current guns and roses lineup i think they definitely like someone who is talented but also has like a you know a big stage persona like that because you know all three of their bases have been like incredible performers yeah. on top of that so um 
uh, yeah, I just I love the way that they all click together and the way that, you know, Rob has this big smile and, you know, no pretenses. And, you know, James can, like, open his heart up about Fade to Black. And, uh, you know, Lars is like a showman drummer. And, you know, Kirk is just like this sweet, nice stoner who overcame so much to be in this place he is now. And I, uh, I, I love seeing also just like on a personal note, when you write a book about them, and like i've always been a huge fan but like when you write a book it's like you're in the trenches with them and like you're losing sleep over metallica and you're uh getting teary about metallica and you're like you know about to lose your job over metallica and like just going through that like intense experience like and then when you see them you're like i was in the trenches with you like my guys you're just like and that it just really changes the way you see them if you've had to like labor over a big tough labor book for many years so oh yeah i mean i certainly don't look at guns and roses the same as it did pre-podcast you know and exactly. i know it's i know it's different but i mean i, I know you know just to invest that much time into a, a singular singular exactly. thing is <laughs> yeah yes. that's, that's definitely gonna absolutely Changing gonna happen everything uh, that yeah for sure for sure but the circle back though so yeah my wife uh, even though kirk he messed up Mm-hmm. You no, know, she loved nothing else matters. They were all the songs oh, yeah. she was familiar with. I mean, and, and I wasn't familiar with uh, you know seventy two seasons. I just know the yeah. singles. I haven't really spent time. I hate to say it, and I feel bad because I'm. I usually am like this with Metallica, a new record. I listen to it. I just, I guess, with the baby, I just haven't had the time just to sit down and listen to it. Right. Uh, so, other than those, I don't expect her to know. But mm-hmm. she's like, I felt like we didn't get all the hits. But she knew there was a second night. I mean, you obviously didn't get Enter Sandman. Uh, it right. d- didn't happen. So, um, actually, even before we get into the second night, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm above. So my perspective, because I want to hear your perspective from the lower level, uh, I get to see the mosh pits from above, which is right. kind of cool. These little, like, mm-hmm. crop circles begin to form of people, you know, on the outside and even in that, that middle pit. And uh, I forget what song it was on, but like twenty giant beach balls comes out and oh yeah, come out of nowhere. That was, uh, seek and destroy, yeah. I seek and destroy, yeah. So I thought that was so fun, you know, for mm-hmm. the fans. Even though like half of them just got stuck on the stage anyway, and right. I felt left out because I was up in the nosebleeds in my handicap seats, uh, section uh, three fourteen or something like that. I'll be closer for Guns N' Roses. I got section one one oh, something. Cool. Uh, I had to. I'm like, I got to spend a little bit more more money to get better handicap seats because oh, yeah. I'm always in the nosebleeds. Like, I just these concerts are really expensive. I'm somebody who does buy merch. I did not buy merch this time because right. I would have missed Pantera, and the oh, line was too long after Pantera. Mm-hmm. It was like it would you, I would have missed some of Metallica. It just would have sucked. So yeah. whatever, I missed out on my, on uh, on merch this time around. Um, so the, it was a cool visual and optic from above those giant towers, uh, you know, showing the because they look like ants from above. Oh, yeah. They do like mm-hmm. you, it is what it is. But there, there were eighty thousand. Correct me if I'm wrong. Eighty thousand people there. I think that's right. Out yeah. of the max, which was like eighty-two, like fifty, like five hundred, whatever. Uh, so they were, you know, short a couple thousand of it being mm-hmm. a sold out uh, show. It'll be interesting to see what Guns N' Roses does. So, I mean, it was an event. So I think to have that in the round, to have those unique kind of uh, things to look at, you know, these cool, not just, they were different than regular speakers. They were like, 
I don't know, uh, outposts. They were towers. And then to look down and see all these beach balls banging. It was cool from that perspective, I think, to have, like, nosebleeds, to have shitty seats. Right. Uh, and, oh, and people asked this, because um, I shared a couple videos online. Mm-hmm. They were sometimes, like, your view was obstructed. However, when you're in the round, they're moving around. Yes. And, and I'm not talking about Lars, James, and and, and uh, Rob. Just not just I'm, I'm not just talking about James, Rob, and Kirk just walking around. Lars, maybe you know more than I do. The script it would go dark, pitch dark. His drum kit would disappear, and then yeah. reappear like somewhere else in the circle. So, yeah. did he have multiple drum kits underneath? Yeah, he had another drum kit. That's, yeah, had wow, man. The, the production um, value is so fucking cool. Yeah, it is. And they, um, you know, they definitely pick away. And, like, I didn't see everything from the floor, you know, the way that, like, some people in the seats would get and the nosebleeds would get a different perspective. But they definitely play to everybody in the arena. You know, they definitely are, you know, this show is for the people in the far back who, you know, just saved up you know to see us and they they definitely don't let anyone out or just like you know we're only gonna play to the, the crowd the you know the close people they definitely like try to make it special for everyone i think yeah i i think they did they, they know they they acknowledged us uh up and up yeah. in the higher seats the only thing um because somebody asked me what do you think is a bigger spectacle now mm-hmm. uh metallica or guns and roses and look i could be honest i'm not mm-hmm. biased from what I saw yesterday, that is a bigger spectacle. And mm-hmm. and Metallica does way more press. GNR does next to none. You know, That's Metallica's true. on all the talk shows. They're mm-hmm. doing th- Jimmy Kimmel, they're playing with puppets, you know, the master of puppets. They're doing right. they're going to Antarctica to do shows. They're doing all these crazy things. So I think they're a bigger spectacle. Mm-hmm. It, whatever if I think however you want to interpret that spectacle doesn't mean they're a better band or anything like that. Right, right, right. But GNR is just a, I mean, it's a big, it's going to be a big rock show. It's not going to be a, a spectacle like uh, Metallica was. So, I mean, I was just really impressed. And there was part of me that if I didn't have work that night, if I didn't have a three month old, I would have said to my wife, let's go back. Even oh, in yeah, the bullshit yeah. traffic. I thought it was a great time. So you went back. So. Mm-hmm. I guess, how did you feel about night one? Well, how were you feeling about night two? Were you amped up? Were you tired? You had a day was, in between. I was amped up. Um, I got tired because I pre-gamed in the parking lot. Um, and I, uh, I met up with, I, you might know him, I met up with um, Brandon from Metallicast and uh, okay. from Metallica Podcast. So, uh, oh, shout out to, yeah, I couldn't uh, meet up with him, but we, you know, we tweeted at yeah, each other, so, or X'd at each other. Oh, so he, um, well, that's right. They call it that now. But he, um, <laughs> he uh, so I uh, did his show and I was like, oh, I'll meet up in the parking lot. And that's, uh, so did that and uh, came in and, you know, it was zonked by the time I got there, but they opened with Whiplash and they played Blackened, which is, you know, just like incredible to me. They played, uh, you know, I'm a 90s kid, so I loved hearing like Wherever I May Roam and mm-hmm. The Unforgiven and things like that. Uh, they played whiskey in the jar later room the bell tolls it's just uh you know it was like they debuted uh too far gone from 72 seasons it was another sort of like you know the hits were and the deep cuts all spread out enough to uh just engage everybody it was a, it was a great show they were awesome and i too i loved seeing and how i know it was an event and i guess i'll find out uh, again, so stay tuned for for GNR. Of course, I'll do a review and uh, right. take as many pictures and videos as my shitty iPhone allows. 
but it was I loved seeing in my Facebook timeline just the amount of people I knew that were going. Oh yeah, and, and people that even just said, you know what, I went on Friday. Fuck it, I got tickets for a night too. <laughs> I won't sleep on Monday. And I'm like, that's really cool, man. That oh, this yeah. band has lasted this long, and you know, James just turned sixty. Yeah. And he's just out there just killing it. He sounds fantastic. Absolutely, he really yeah. does sound good. And yeah. I will say this because my, my wife had to make a point when we first saw Guns N' Roses of how good-looking Duff was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, James Hetfield is also a handsome man, according to her. A handsome man. And also, um, I like how um, unabashedly old he looks, too. He's a very handsome guy. And uh, like I just got the 72 seasons when I came out. And, like The liner notes, he like looks old and he's gray and he's like very like he's a very handsome old man but he uh you know he's not like you know getting like you know hair plugs and facelifts and things like that he's a he's i'm really i think he aged well and he's um he's got kind of like a older nobility to him on stage now that he worked that he worked well as a as a frontman agreed aging gracefully and she made yeah. a point which is it's again it's so funny i love that's why i love talking to so many different people no matter how big of a die hard fan you are because she's like, they dress so unassuming. Like, they're yeah, not rock stars. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning. And yeah. I know she was kind of referencing Axel without referencing Axel. <laughs> uh, with the amount of yeah. rings he wears. And, you know, he... I think he's changed his style a little bit. Whenever you see him out, he's in a really cool suit. Right. Uh, so he's not dressing in the Fu Manchu mustache and, you mm-hmm. know, the... Uh, know the hat that covers his eyes all the time so i mean right. he's he's yeah. dressing his age but yeah with with james it's just like i'm he could be in um oh what was it? sons of anarchy like he can just be oh, yeah. a, a, mm-hmm. an, a, you know a character in the back of that uh, totally. background yeah yeah no definitely he um i remember his, my book talk i think it, you might know my friend uh catherine turman too oh um, yeah a uh, catherine shot out who did a yeah. fantastic job and did you watch that documentary uh, no, I need to. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I want to watch it. I need. I need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, Catherine Turman, who uh, has uh, wrote the book, she was on the episode a couple times. Oh, and this is a perfect segue for you, because she was my guest co-host when we had Ernie C on from Body Count. And uh, that episode is quoted in my book. So uh, I, uh, you're you're in the you're in the uh, on the bibliography page there. So I've got did I know the, that? Did you tell me that? <laughs> I'm not. This is the first time telling you that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I interviewed Ernie myself, and I got some quotes from him. But uh, yeah, I uh, I used uh, that interview as a source in the book. So that's that's in the book. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, Catherine stuff too. So she's uh, she's wonderful. Oh, oh, I love that. So and, and Catherine Turman, shout out because she is one of the people in the I Want to Rock documentary on yes. uh, Paramount Plus where. Soon, because this is funny, mm-hmm. uh, I've had every single person on that podcast that was, you know, the focal point, whether it's Nick Sabo, Kip Winger, Catherine, uh, who else am I missing? Uh, John Kurabi. Oh, okay. Um, I, I've had every single person on there, but uh, Janet Gardner from Vixen. However, oh. however, that is going to change next episode. Oh, congrats. <laughs> I'll turn into that, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, but, um, yeah it's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh no, no worries. Catherine's is great. She's been like a such a mentor. She really helped me with the Metallica book and the, and the Body Count book. But um, I was talking with her a while ago about how um, James had a very small part in the um, in the Ted Bundy movie that Joe Berglinger from yeah. uh, 
uh, some kind of monster directed. The, uh, not Zach Bra- Zach uh, Efron. Zach Efron. Yes, yeah, Zach Efron movie. <laughs> Zach Efron. I hate that I know Zach Efron. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, and uh, who who was very good in it? A very good Ted Bundy. But uh, one thing I liked about that role, and that James is not an actor, but he can successfully disappear into a blue collar cop. Yeah, you know, like like you could not give Steven Tyler that part, right? <laughs> no, you'd, you'd like, that's not that's not a policeman. That's Steven Tyler. He's a rock star. But um, right. James, in his small part, he's not an actor, but he that's part of his persona is that he can disappear into kind of like blue collar parts like that. And I think you see that when he's on stage in Metallica too. Mm. I th- I think so too. And I I thought this was cool because that morning, uh, I had filled in most of the week. Because uh, I, I work mainly from home, and that's where I'm recording right now. But sometimes I go in to fill in, um, produce the morning show at Q1043 oh, cool. um, uh, through iHeartRadio. And that morning, so I was producing Jim Kerr, the Rock and Roll Morning Show. And the day before, however, right after the Thursday morning show, Jim had to go down to MetLife Stadium to interview Lars uh, in the basement. Not the basement, but like one of the visiting locker rooms at MetLife Stadium. And that was maybe you read the article where James was, um, Lars was talking about how, you know, all these years later having fans, how much, how much it means to them. And they, yeah. they spoke about the, the, the kid prices, how they actually have special kid prices, which I think is, is brilliant. And I hope other bands follow suit, you know, because believe me, I would have loved to have taken Baby Brownstone to Metallica. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I think three months old, uh, I don't need social services calling me. Maybe <laughs> maybe around a year we can start taking <laughs> him to year. some, like, really? I don't even know, Raffi or something. I, it's, we gotta, we got to break him in slowly to, to metal. But believe right, me, it's yeah. the first chance I can I can get without you know being dad-shamed. I'll, I'll, I'll take him to a, a, a metal show. Right. Um, oh, of course. And I lost my tr- complete train of thought there just thinking about Oh, it. talking about... Uh, James, Catherine, uh, Vixen, um, taking people to metal shows, taking kids to shows. It's oh, I, I hear him crying in the background, and it gets totally, I'm like, shit. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, shit. You're talking about a, the Lars interview? and the. Show? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, thank you, thank you. So within that, um, since it was pre-recorded, because we were giving away uh, tickets to go see, because what Metallica is doing they are putting out a movie, but it's not a movie movie. They're, I don't know if other radio stations are doing this or how. Like, we were giving away tickets to go see but the live broadcast of their show yes. in Dallas. Austin, I think. In Austin. I think it's Dallas. Dallas or oh, somewhere in Texas. Texas, yes. <laughs> uh, to go see that in movie theaters, which is cool. And then the grand prize winner of, the, of those winners was going on Sunday. So we were doing that all week. So we were giving away like a couple tickets each day and with prizes, you know, different games. And one game would be just the 25th caller, you know, make it easy. Right. So Jim is telling Lars this, you know, uh, we're going to take the 25th caller. Lars is like, really? Like, do you really have somebody going through and like hanging up on like 24 people? He's like, yeah, Brandon is. And he pre-recorded this and it made me feel so like I laughed. I looked oh, at him wow. in the studio <laughs> with this. He's like, I pre- he's like, Brandon's back in studio, you know, and I, that's exact. So he said my name to Lars. That's my claim to fame. Wow. <laughs> but it's so funny. That's, that's what I've been doing because I've been in radio for 20 years. You know, Man. caller one, click, caller two, click. And it's, oh, wow. when I get up to caller 24 or whatever the last number it is, uh, the one before it, 
Cola 24, so close. And it was hang up. Oh, <laughs> I God. never hear back oh. what they say the, <laughs> all, all these oh, years man. later. So, yeah, there are people actually actually doing that. Uh, I, uh, that was, uh, radio is my, my gig throughout, uh, like, right after college, too. So I did, so I'll have to talk to you someday about that, because I'm sure you have stories about, like, getting callers and things like that. It was, oh, uh, it's so many. My, my college, that was giving me a career for where I was radio, so that was, uh, definitely did a lot of that and got, got some stories there. It's that's I love radio. That's always my you know my passion, yeah. and it's blossomed into this uh, podcast. Podcasts have come out of nowhere, so I like to think I take my old school radio training and put it into this amoeba lawless world of podcasting oh, kind of thing. Yeah. But that's so I look up to people like Jim Carr, who's in the rock and roll. Excuse me, in the, in the radio hall of fame. Oh, okay. uh, and you know, and he said how Lars was like the nicest guy that you could meet. So that's Lars like that's really, really cool to hear because he would yeah. be honest. He would be like Lars was a dick. No, he, he oh, didn't totally, say yeah. he didn't say that. I, I remember hearing that very early on because I remember like having my distant relationship with, with Metallica and thinking like, oh, Lars is like the mean one and stuff like that. But um, hearing like early on, like my metal journalist friends would be like, no, Lars is my favorite. And, like Lars talks, he remembers you, he's good. And just thinking in hindsight too, like Lars early on hustled his way into like being friends with motorhead and diamond head and bands like that when he was a kid and he had like no they had nothing to like gain from being friends with him so it's like he must be really charming to like kind of get that to move up that well in, in the world of metal like he's like yeah i just hung out with diamond head one night and then i'm like staying in their apartment and like i hung out with lemmy and now i'm like following him on the road he's just like he's got some incredible people skills and i uh, respect that and you'll probably agree and i I was talking to jim kerr about this i feel like everyone owes owes, uh, laws an apology for napster i mean he was right look what's happening now and everyone complaining about spotify and residual checks and it's they were right they weren't doing it for their own greed they saw what was coming they saw it was coming they were you know i mean there's you know people didn't hear them on this but they said look we're losing more money from the lawyers than we are from you know napster it's just, it's about the next bands and now people applaud i think rightfully you know taylor swift or neil young when they take stances about it but uh yeah they were right and they did get Lars did get a lot of crap for that and uh yeah i think one other thing about that too that i figured out when i wrote the book and started getting responses to that is that nobody under the age of 30 gives a shit <laughs> like like you and i and i'm sure like whenever i bring up metallica like someone's like napster like you know lars sucks like i for you know i I've never hear the end of like lars and napster for people in our age group nobody cares no one who's never had to buy a cd and never had to like save up for one and like thought that they were too expensive cares about that story and i think that that's kind of it's sort of fading from like the you know it's becoming increasingly a small part of the metallica story as uh, i guess increasingly less negative part of the metallica story as a uh, time has passed it's, uh, because they were proven right they were yeah. they were right and it's uh, oh, they were uh so very cool i mean i so i'm so excited to, to hopefully see them again they'll be doing this for a long time yeah. uh, do you know if any of the guys uh read your book at all do you know do you uh, um someone from q prime reached out to me uh i sent it so apparently they're aware of it but i do not know if they have read it i mean okay. they're you know um you're, you're talking earlier about like the spectacle and how they do like kimmel and stuff like that um in the last few years they've definitely gotten more tight-lipped about interviews i've noticed and they um you know they used to always do a david frick profile with rolling stone when they had a new album they haven't done that yet and um 
you know, they're kind of at the stage, you know, like like Taylor Swift or Beyonce, where I'll, they'll sell out a stadium no matter what, whether or not they promote it. Or so, GNR, uh, they don't care. Or GNR, exactly. Who also don't really do interviews, right? So it's, no, um, they don't. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, they get deleted so, after they get they're done. Yeah, yeah, they do <laughs> get taken down, which I've been noticing too because I because I follow them. But um, but uh, yeah, I think they've gotten um. So I, if they did read it, I probably will never hear from them. But uh, you know, I just keeping my ear to the ground. I hope I, I hope that at some point they you know, you know just like a, as a sign of appreciation, like a labor of love for uh, kind of like you in the podcast, just like doing this just because I love this thing and you know want it to be celebrated, right? Sure. So uh, Metallica, the twenty four ninety five book, and what about uh, Body Count? Um, body count um yeah i know uh, love. Do, i um i uh my first pitch for the metallica book was to the 33 and a third series which uh you know there's a there's a guns and roses one do you, you know the 33 third books about uh it's a small books about famous albums okay um, and uh i've been a big fan for a long time i pitched a metallica one didn't get accepted but i uh saved that you know pitch for something later on and uh, I've been a huge, huge Body Count fan since high school. They were one of my first kind of like forays into punk rock. You know, I had my sort of wave of Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Heroes, and then my sort of like Black Flag and Dead Kennedys Heroes. So I uh, got together a pitch for that book. It's coming out in September. I've got my first copies here. It was just so exciting. And I got to talk to, unlike for the Metallica book, I got to talk to a lot of my biggest uh Heroes. I got to talk to Duff McKagan. I talked to. I interviewed Henry Rollins, Shel Biafra, um, wow. all the current Body Count guys. So Ice, Ernie, Juan of the Dead, Vincent oh. Price, um, oh, wow. Joel Dorsey, Shawnee Sean. Um, well, that's cool. So they were yeah. real. So unlike Metallica, they were you know they were cool to be a part of it. Yeah, you know, Ice T is very famous, but he's not, and so is like Henry Rollins. But they're not like gazillion sellers you know right they're not like like everybody knows who ice t is and has a sense of his persona and his but he they're not like they don't have like a lot of like platinum records or anything like that oh but, i mean um, ice t i mean he's uh the actor that's what he's really famous yeah, for exactly yeah and you know it's been kind of touching to see him say like you know i get the money for the acting but my love is doing the music like he's like there's nothing better than being a rock star and just like being body count and getting that response um you know, they're so important. It's such a great story. It was, uh, um, I just remember so many times over the years, I'd see stuff in the news or with music and think like, why are more people talking about body count? You know, they're so important. They're so influential. Mm -hmm. Or they'd say like, you know, oh, they're just more controversial than good. Or they're not like, you know, or they're, they're like a second rate. Like, I totally disagree. I think they're a fantastic band. They deserve, um, you know, to be celebrated for being so ahead of their time being, persecuted for being right kind of what Sinead O'Connor was which also happened at the same time of the cop killer story mm -hmm. um and uh yeah just for being a totally musically groundbreaking band you know I think uh lyrically musically and I, I delve into that in the book but um anyway I love body count I loved uh, talking to uh so many you know cool people for it uh, oh yeah Doc Hoyle uh, some of the living color guys some of the fishbone guys it's been um oh wow been exciting but uh yeah it's a great story i got to uh, talk to him about the book and yeah just i'll be i'll be doing some events in new york in september so uh oh good nice. i'll be uh, doing okay some absolutely yeah yeah no once that happens give me the dates and i'll, I'll share them and all that that, that that fun stuff uh mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that's think about it that's your ultimate show right when it was body count gnr yeah. and then metallica i mean that's yeah that's the I ultimate so. i mean yeah i uh 
Yeah, I do. I mean, it's kind of funny that I got. I also like this, you know, maybe I'm jinxing it now. 2014, I pitched a Guns N' Roses book that did not get accepted either. So I, you know, those are like my three things I've written about. But um, don't give up. Yeah. Say again? Don't give up. Don't give no, up. No, well, I didn't give up the Metallica one. I didn't give up Fight. So Good. I'm holding on to that in my pocket for someday. But yeah, that is kind of like my ultimate. I guess like I also like, you know, I would have loved to have seen Nirvana on that tour. Like sure. the plan. I would love to have seen motorhead on that tour or faith no more i love all his bands very much but um yeah body count i guess i gotta it feels like a personal thing i love having my sort of huge bands that everybody knows i can talk about but i also love having my sort of like you know called things like body count and it's um it's been interesting to write that because like you know everybody you talk to has a metallica connection a metallica story but you know body count people are like well what's that then you get to see their faces when they're like wait a minute it's iced tea and it's like, you know, it got banned and it's metal. It's such a, an amazing story. Right. I feel like people are just discovering that. They knew Ice T was a rapper uh, right. and, and an actor, but I feel like body count, you don't know unless you are a rock fan. And that's, yeah. so, it's so interesting because they put out new music. They're, they, mm-hmm. they won a Grammy, right? Or they were nominated. They won, they, a, they Grammy. won a Grammy. They've so, had, and even as like a big diehard body count fan, I never saw this comeback coming. Like, I, Fair. you know, I was yeah. kind of like, you know, by the time I got them, they were pretty much broken up. And I was like, okay, well, you know, they, the first record's a classic and stuff like that. But, and more power to them, but they, they, they sound great now. And the new songs are great. And they're playing to their biggest crowds. And, uh, you know, they're doing huge festival shows. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to talk about that. I had, uh, Duff told me some fun stories about bringing his, uh, his daughter to, uh, see Body Count now. And she likes, like, the new songs, like Fitch in the Pit and stuff like that. And they're, uh, <laughs> You know, they, uh, I, you know, it seems like a real kind of validation for all the work they did for um, marginalized people and for um, just blending genres. Just like, you know, I talked to people who were like, I'd never heard that kind of combination of punk and metal before. Like, you know, and they're just, um, I think they're such a great band. I mean, I'm gushing because I, (laughs) but. um, Do you talk about uh, Duff's relationship with uh, Ernie C? Like, went to each other's wedding? Like, a lot of people don't know that. Like, Like, their kids know each other. They go way back. Duff is very. By the way, like, I wish every interview could be like Duff. He was on time, so nice, so cool. I tried at one point to have to be like, by the way, Duff, like, Guns is like my. And he's like, oh, thanks. And he was just super nice. Um, yeah, he knows Ernie. He knows uh, the Ernie's family. They did. You right, went to the wedding. He had some stories about. Uh, he was an Ice T fan of uh, his rap career, like Power, back in the um, early '80s. And he's like, "Yeah," and I met, went to his house. I met Body Count. They're all really nice guys. And um, he uh, he also said at one point, he's like, "By the way, like you know, forgive me. Like I don't have a good memory for '91 or '92." He's like, "You know, I just kind of have it back then. Like you know and." But he, uh, yeah, he also said, and he was the only one to say this to me, um, and I don't think this was a cop-out or anything, but he, uh, I said, so what do you think of Body Count now, right? Like, their sort of cultural significance, history, like, what do you think of how I stand the world? And Duff was like, you know, um, I don't really have a great answer for that. He was like, I don't, I don't, I need some time to think about it. He says, you know, if I were writing a book, I might have thought about it more, but... Uh, I kind of take music as it is. I'm going to tell you why I like it and why it's good or important. But uh, he said I would need more time to think of a good answer for that. And he didn't, like, gush to say something like, well, I think body counts. Like, you know, he just, like, you know, he took took time with his answers. And But, yeah, he was a nice guy. He's a very, uh, you know, thoughtful and kind things to say about Ernie. 
he said that he thought he thinks of ice as kind of like a lemmy type sort of like a walks like you talk to you know yeah. and just a badass you know guy and he um yeah i could see that uh, very uh but yeah very very nice dude had kind things to say about the guys in the band and their their comeback and he invited them to uh that tour actually the night you right went for, so um so yeah it was a real you know the the two interviews i could not sleep before were um were ice team duff mckagan but <laughs> yeah, i didn't didn't know i was gonna say to him yeah uh would you have a date? You said that's coming out in October? Uh, September 7th. Oh, September. So, okay. No, I'm distracted. You want to give them to me? You want to give me baby brownstone so I can hold them? Yeah. <laughs> you want to do that now? Yeah, I, I tried to hold them before, so this will be yeah. added. I fed him. You, yeah. you fed him? So great. He'll throw he's up on me. Him. All right. He's naked. Well, he's has a, uh-huh. he has a diaper on. He's a diaper. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Look, at, look at baby brownstone. Oh, hey, baby brownstone. His, his head is we not as wobbly. Baby. Baby, um, oh. I, I asked the question recently because uh, people are like, "Oh, I'm surprised you didn't play him, you know, Appetite for Destruction in the womb or st- stuff like that." I don't know. I'm just not. I was, oh, you, oh, you hear that? He burps. Look at that. That's my oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my boy. Yeah. Uh, but no, I want. I'm talking about so an age. Give me an age where I can sit him down and be like, "This is Guns N' Roses. This is one of the greatest albums." You know, and I'll do the same thing with Metallica and just rock. Right. But when's an appropriate age? You know, he's three months, um, so he's got time. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't know what's what yet. You know, um, they have. As I'm, I'm sure you know this from like following them obsessively, but they have a kid appeal that other bands are there. I guess when you're that huge, you have to have that kind of crossover thing. But <laughs> sorry. every year, you know, I, I, t- I teach college. Every year, I get students to wear Guns N' Roses shirts, right? And go to their shows and like, no, like they. Crossover to kids in a way that other bands don't. I think that's part of why they are huge. Is that like you can be a kid and love Guns N' Roses and you know, and hear what's great about them pretty uh, easily. You know, uh, I have played him the the lullaby version. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah that's yeah. that's pretty great. I wish I got the entire thing on camera because it probably would have been went viral. He was crying. Oh yeah. And oh. I put on uh, the lullaby version of Don't Cry, and he stopped. Oh. Oh. But then Civil War came on and started freaking out. So oh, okay. I don't know what that, mean, that means. My hands are tied. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, oh, and I, I, I think I've said this before. When I've said Baby Brownstone as a joke, you know, his name is Harrison, Harrison Rex. Right. People are like, you're that hardcore. You're named your, you named your kid Brownstone? No. I still get comments yeah. like that. No, I did not name him after a heroin. Right. It's just a, right. I like alliterations. <laughs> it seemed, yeah. you know, yeah. clever. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, funny. So I, I want to, before we wrap up and get out of here, and while he's calm, I, I just want to, because we mentioned, you know, Body Counts has, they're always making new music. Metallica, they're playing new music. Right. So Guns N' Roses, it's kind of like, Ross and Rachel, will they or won't they? Uh, right. You know, and I had felt that they are going to release uh, one or two singles. Um, if you, oh, oh, that was not good. That was not good. He's. I think he got upset because he's like, I don't want. Perhaps I want brand new material. <laughs> right. I literally did nothing. I was holding him. He started freaking. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh man, that's that is one of the worst things though about parenting so far. Then three months, 
said he'll be calm. He'll be smiling. Everything's fine. Diaper change, fed, and just freak out out of nowhere. Maybe he's like Axl Rose, like the '90s yeah. Axl Rose that way. But holy shit! Him, you know. But get that guy and take that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll leave that in there. That might. Sorry if that hurts your ears or whatever. But it's no it's yeah. part. <laughs> no so it's I I've, I've said it's going to happen, and there's been. You know, articles about them rehearsing, perhaps people outside of soundcheck. It's, this is a song that was written during the Chinese democracy era, and there have been song titles that have been around for years at this point. Yeah. Perhaps it's just one of them. And tell me if Metallica fans are this crazy when new music is coming out. Right. Um, that it was discovered, a link was discovered. That it, where does it go to? It, it goes to like a. a uh, was it Capitol Records or it's like a ma- it's I should have had this uh, completely mm-hmm. up um, from going right now I'm going through mygnrforum.com which is the friggin best by the way where I get a lot of oh yeah 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 also uh, cited my book too I got got some info about the uh, body count from there so oh nice so I mean it's a, it's a link to it's just a, it's a link to it's what's what I guess what it's called, whatever that means. So, people nerdier than me. So I'm going to give uh, credit to a couple people because I asked this question. I'm like, how do people just find this random link that shows that perhaps is going to be released on August Friday, August 11th? How do how right. is that found? It's not like Guns N' Roses social media just posted it and deleted it really quick and we got it. So this is from uh, Twin Ale Blood on, on my GNR. People have been trying to open up the perhaps link fire for, for weeks just to uh, check if it got activated. The one for hard school started to work a few days before the official release. The other day someone tried it as usual and it was now displaying the work in progress page with the countdown. So there is a countdown. There is like a, a magic eight ball graphics that goes along to it. Um, I also want to quote uh, GNR Chris. So thank you guys for your answers. So link was re- a redirect from GNR's link fire. People have been randomly checking it. For example, take the U- URL and it gives you that and add something to the end. So you can look for hard school when it came out or the general to see if that eventually populates or perhaps. So, I mean, kudos to you fans. My God. That is some sleuthing. That is oh, yeah. some shit. Like, I thought I'm hardcore. That's why I will never be the most hardcore Guns N' Roses fan, no matter how many episodes I do. I am, oh, not, yeah. I am not those guys or gals yeah. doing that. Wow. So that's what we're rumored to get. We'll see. Perhaps, perhaps not. So it's just, uh, is there anything like this in the, the Metallica fandom when it comes to new music? Yeah, they're, you know, it's different with Metallica fandom. You know, it's always a huge event when a record comes out. They um, don't come out very often. Um, they're definitely like... They don't come out very often. Death. Look who you're talking to. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I should have said that. But, um, yeah, it's a, there's definitely like an obsessive fandom. There's definitely, like, you know, I was always kind of like in my circle, like the Metallica guy, so or like the Guns N' Roses guy. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. And then the book comes out, or like you do research for the book, and just like, oh wow, people are just like so in depth about this band, and like doing you know all sorts of rabbit holes, all sorts of things like that for new Metallica or what this means. Um, yeah, I'd say not the same for like there's nothing that I can think of like the um, 
like all those Chinese democracy demos, like silkworms and things like that floating around, or like the general, or like perhaps, or, you know, there's nothing quite along those lines, you know, but, um, right. Yeah. Uh, have like, there been Metallica leaks? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. There have been. been? Uh, okay. Definitely Net got leaked before it came out. I remember, um, early word about Lulu, which I'm one of the only people who likes. Okay. I remember, um, <laughs> things like that. Oh, yeah. I remember, uh, that's how, uh, Napster got started was I Disappear leaked. There was a demo um, of I Disappear. So that, um, right. and that was like an early internet clamor. And, you know, I was like, what's this? And it got played on the radio when it was in demo form. But, um, right. yeah, it's, um, I guess, yeah, it's, there's definitely that level of obsessiveness, but I guess sleuthing over different things, you know, and like this, the kind of like craving for new music for Guns N' Roses or like what happened to like the Chinese democracy demos and things like that. I don't, think that there's like a similar there's like an equivalent thing in metallica i think are you any more shows in your future for uh, metallica? yeah i'll be going to guns and roses of course um i'm a t- surprise birthday present for the lady taking her to springsteen and nice. um we're doing depeche mode um i guess uh oh yeah um madonna so we've got a few things like that going on but um but are you following metallica around that at all I am not following them around. I'm looking at next year. I might, you know, visit people in Chicago or Boston to go back to see them there. So, cool. um, yeah, I'll do stuff like that, depending on, you know, where uh, where I'm with teaching and things like that. But um, yeah, I guess those are those are like the big ones off the top of my head. The, the, okay, so yeah. maybe I'll bump into uh, at Guns N' Roses. That'd be uh, awesome. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, next week. Or, yeah, or, yeah, or, or just yeah. over a week. Um, yeah, the, uh, with the Pretenders. Oh, yeah, I'm also going to some of the uh, the hip hop 50th anniversary shows, like uh, with uh, Run DMC and Snoop and things like that. So okay, cool, things cool. That. Right but, on. Uh, so, um, is there any website you want to direct people to? You're at uh, BAP. Yeah. I, I, you know, you have an interesting handle, so I want to say, how do you say it? it? It's Bapatov. Uh, ba- the Bapatov. Okay. You uh, reminded me actually when you were saying uh, in radio, I'd forgotten to mention that my college radio station was called my college radio show was called Apatow for Destruction, and uh, Apatow <laughs> for Destruction. You should yeah, have let off my, with that. Oh man, I love that. Was that. My show. Yeah, I had that. That was my my blog where I first started my writing about my Metallica and Guns N' Roses stuff and body count. So. Um, yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, Funny. check out my. Um, I've got a bookshop.org page where I have my books and also book recommendations of metal stuff. I've got Catherine's book up there. I've got um, DX Ferris, who wrote a great Slayer book and pushed me through mine. I've got an Instagram page that's Metallica book, just all one word. Um, it's not exclusively Metallica stuff. I put my um, body count stuff too. I've got some stories about those guys up there. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my my Twitter, my Instagram, my um, my books website on a bookshop. But yeah, uh, body counts available for pre-order. Metallica is in stores already. Um, if you want to reach out on social media, I do not get tired of talking about any of these bands. <laughs> I will happily like uh, indulge you. So uh, yeah, just appreciate the support. Cool, man. Well, Ben, I'm glad we were able to make this happen, and I appreciate okay. you coming on. And I hope we get to do this again. Definitely. Um, obviously, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Next one, I, I just told you who it's going to be. It's going to be uh, Janet Gardner from Vixen. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. I'm actually going to also have one, one of the producers from I Want to Rock as my oh, co-host, uh, Chad Gervich. So it's, it was like funny. I responded to a an ex 
of uh, I don't, do you know Greg Renoff, the author Greg Renoff? Yes. Okay. He, yes. He's yeah, the no, Van Halen Van version of yeah. you, basically. Yes. <laughs> uh, so he had, I guess he tagged him in something, and I was just commenting on his, you know, him talking about the documentary, and Chad saw this guy, this producer saw that I, I praised it, that I liked it, and then he emailed me at the AFD show at gmail dot com. And he's like, I can help you get an interview. Let's let's make this happen, you know. And so, kudos to him. He got me Janet, and it was just so funny watching that doc, and kind of feeling good about myself. And thank you. It made me feel good when you said you used me as a source. I'm like, look at this. I interviewed everybody in this major documentary. I, you know, not at the same depth that you know uh, documentary, but still, I had him on. Uh, I also, (laughs) I also. I also want to mention uh, I have put out a couple new episodes of my horror spinoff. Are you a horror fan at all? I'm a huge horror fan, actually. Yeah. So all right. A favorite horror movie? That's a good question. Um, my totally boring, conventional first thing that comes to mind is The Shining. Um, I love, love, love The Shining. There are a lot of, uh, you know, if you want to talk about more obscure stuff, I love like a variety of slasher movies and like or giallo movies or anything like that. Do you, what's your do you have a horror favorite like a uh, killer clowns from out of space oh yeah yeah that's a classic yeah yeah <laughs> it's a you know, special um, place in my heart yeah that's a it's a great uh, great genre it's also it's a big part of um of uh, the Metallica in the body count stories because Kirk has a huge horror collection he's written right. uh, some books about it he uh and uh Ice-T is also a huge horror guy and I uh I know. Wrote about, actually, wrote the, on my social today. Wrote about because um, William Friedkin just passed, and uh, Kirk Hammett and Ernie C and Ice T all have quotes about loving The Exorcist. I posted that stuff. Uh, so speaking there. of perfect segue. So speaking of The Exorcist, uh, I, I just put put out a new episode written by an author, uh, Nat Segaloff, and he was a publicist when The Exorcist first came out, and he also did a. Uh, a director, excuse me, he did a biographer of the director who happened to pass away today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty spooky that I happened to post this episode the same day that oh. uh, William Friedkin uh, passed yeah. away. And Slash recognized, you know, same thing with, with Del James, two also big horror guys. So oh, if you yeah. like horror as well, Appetite for Horror also available. And then you can watch episodes on the Appetite for Distortion YouTube page. So oh. whether it's to find out about you know, new interviews or new Guns N' Roses news. The conversation always continues. Or find out about new horror episodes in between the broadcasts and social media. So follow Appetite for Distortion, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever it wants to call itself, Instagram, even TikTok. I'm going to use, see, I'm, I'm slowly breaking Baby Brownstone in. Like, oh, yeah. He's got to not get camera shy. There are so many babies making their parents money. I got to teach him. Like, yeah, I gotta you know if I could teach him the words to like corn shucker, I think I have a viral hit. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a bad parent, but I think yeah, it would be a, yeah. a, a viral hit. So anyway, yeah. uh, so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When we see the next one, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Yeah! security, I'm going home.